Insix's second podcast to focus on 3D printing, Dr. Rob Martins offers us further insights into how this technology is set to change the shape of our supply chains, highlighting competitive advantages that some organizations are leveraging from onboarding this new technology and identifying where 3D printing is already being applied in industry. So Dr. Rob Martins, how do you feel that 3D printing is set to affect our supply chains in the next three to five years? Well, that's a very, very valid question. Um, but I'm not sure the, um, the real impact will be in the next three to five years. So the technology is not as widespread that we will see a huge impact, but you see the signs. And I think it might take a few years longer before it's really gonna affect our supply chains. Um, you need to realize that yeah, the uh, economy of, um, um, of scale doesn't really apply to 3D printing. So printing one off or printing 10 off, the price per unit is the same. So you could ask yourself, why would I stock things? Why could I, would I make 10 if I can make one and only, only produce on demand? So if I'm a stockist and I'm, I'm, I'm making my money of stocking stuff, and maybe selling it to, to, to consumers or companies. I'm a spare part company, or I'm uh, original equipment manufacturing, and I'm making a lot of money from my spare parts. You know, your supply chain might change dramatically. First, if you could, you know, if you're not a laggard, and you have a plan here, you might say, I'm gonna get rid of this, this obsolete stock, which your CFO will definitely like. I will print on demand. If you are a laggard, you're not doing anything, you might see your customers. Our members, our procurement managers saying to those suppliers, hey, I'm not gonna pay for this anymore. I know you can 3D print this stuff, why don't you do this? Or even, even further, I wanna print my own stuff. Just give me the design, I'll pay you something for the design. Why, why am I have to pay you? So those business models for people making money or by supplying parts is gonna change, gonna change dramatically. Um, I see presumers coming up. People or small organizations who currently do not produce, who will produce their own products, which will have a substantial impact on, on our supply chains. Um, a lot of customization. So consumers will realize in a few years that they can get their customized products that we talked about earlier, and they will want it, and they will want it quickly. So this will be quite simple supply chains, local production for local customers, which for us as supply chain professionals, is fantastic because having a supply chain that is not as long as complicated, having so many nodes because we're buying on the other side of the globe and we're producing locally, that's going to simplify our supply chains considerably. So this will have a, a, quite a big impact. Um, we will also see um, that the, the, the people in the logistics area, the companies in the logistics area that are now um, uh, supplying large amounts will be um, seeing boxes in and pallets out. Um, so less stock, we'll see less global sourcing. Um, good thing as well is if you have local production, your supply chain is less vulnerable to disruption, to strikes, to adverse weather conditions. So I do see a, a major impact on our supply chain, but let me be clear, I'm not saying that 3D printing will replace our existing supply chains. It will it will take a part of our existing supply chains, how big that part is, that's still to be seen. So we will have traditional uh, production systems and we'll still have global sourcing and complicated supply chains, but 
they will be complemented or maybe even taking a big chunk out of the existing supply chains where we have local production for local customers of highly customized small series products or even unique products. So I would say a big impact to our supply chain. That's really insightful. Thank you for that feedback. Um, so do you believe that 3D printing will drive areas of obsolescence in our current supply chain structure? You have kind of touched a little bit on that point as to how lengthy our supply chains may be in the future. Well, definitely. So, so I would say the logistics companies moving uh, um, uh, containers around the world and storing uh, many products in warehouses, they will be impacted. Absolutely, they won't disappear. Neither will all the, all the movement of all the containers disappear, but a chunk will go away. So I would think there's certainly some obsolescence there. Um, what I also think is the internal store, uh, st stocks that you have in your own company, where people might have, you know, um, um, half finished products or end products, um, keeping them on stock. I know a couple of OEMs that have um, um, obligations with their, uh, with their con um, uh, end users and also with their uh, customers that they have an obligation to su uh, supply um, spare parts for 10 years. Well, imagine how much money that costs. If you can get rid of that, that will be an absolute, absolute success. So I, I do hope that our procurement and supply chain managers that listen to this podcast see the opportunity there because they might have tried everything else. This is an area where, where they can still um, still make a difference to their company. But I just want, I haven't mentioned one other thing. You know, people might think that 3D printing is still out there and it's still coming. It is already being used. But if I tell you now that in Holland, for example, we have a 3D printed concrete bridge that is already in use since two years. We have 3D printed houses that will be uh, uh, occupied this year. So if you're in the construction industry uh, and we know how cumbersome some of their supply chains are, if you can 3D print locally, fast, local and, and, and made to order, that's gonna be a huge impact. So also the construction industry will be impacted massively. It's, um, it is a fascinating technology and you could actually say, if you can think of it, if you can design it by a computer, you can print it. So just think of the impact on supply chains. Uh, if, uh, if people, if our consumers are really gonna realize the potential the technology has, they all are gonna want it. That's fascinating. Thank you, Bob. So rather than obsolescence, we're more talking about the reduction, um, especially from the inventory perspective as well. Yeah. That's really interesting feedback. So is 3D printing technology keeping pace with consumer demands and expectations? So that's a fair question, uh, following up from what we discussed earlier. Um, at this moment, I don't think there really is customer expectation. So consumers don't really know, you know they know the technology, they might have seen a, a printer somewhere at school, they might say, oh, that's funny. But except for those people that uh, like Jay Leno who have a, you know, they have a garage full of old antique cars and they need all kinds of, kind of parts, they print them themselves. I don't think there's a real um, consumer need at this moment. The more uh, professional customers have also not really put a lot of pressure on their suppliers to supply them with 3D printed parts. Except for those, those niche markets 
where you know, there's a lot of requirements for single items of very specific small series or even single items like the Formula One industry. They're using 3D printing because they need this one special thing. Um, I think it's got to do with the, you know, it, it could be both ways. The consumers aren't really massively asking for it. The companies are not really pushing it. So not many consumers know that they can have 3D printed sneakers, but they can. Um, so I think it's, you know, we're, we're at this moment in a bit of a uh, uh, equilibrium here where we have the opportunity to technology offers and we have the customers that don't really are aware of it and neither is really pushing the market, neither party. So I think in a few years, this will change. As soon as people start seeing the opportunity that uh, they can get, actually they can just get something tailor-made without paying normally the tailor-made price for it, people will want it. And um, that's when we should be ready as supply chain professionals and as, uh, as producing companies, we should be ready to serve that market. That, that's a very valid point, Dr. Rob Martins, because I, I fully understand that consumers will really shape our markets. And like you say, from a procurement perspective, it's about us having that ability to be ready for that consumer demand. So maybe a little bit further down uh, the future of, of things to change. So what are the challenges being faced with 3D printing being adopted by organizations at the moment? Yeah, that's a very good question. I think, you know, 3D printing biggest biggest opportunity lies in that you can make an optimal design. So you, if you tell a computer, please design for me something that a human can sit on, it has to be so strong and it has to be this and this size and it has to carry so much weight. Then it will come up with a, um, a design that will not look like a chair. It will might look like a piece of coral some like some natural products, natural organic, organic shape. So the challenge is currently, if you have a 3D printer, if you have adopted it and you go to a customer and say, dear customer, I have this machine, you know, and are you interested? They might say, oh good, you know, I have this widget. Can you print this widget? Give me a quote. They'll come back with a quote that might be 10 times the price. And typically customers will say, I'm not gonna pay for that. I can, you know, why would I pay 150 pounds if I can pay 15? So that's not the right way of approaching this. You need to look at the entire value chain. So yes, you're comparing one, one for one, but typically the customer doesn't order one, he orders hundred and he orders them in China. And here I'm offering one produced here. So the delivery time is faster for that one piece. The price might be a bit more expensive for one piece, but compared to one, shipping one piece from China, it is way cheaper. So you're not comparing apples to apples. You have to be able as an organization to explain the entire value chain and to say, well, these are the total costs of ownership of this product. And this is where 3D printing fits in. So it's not just another machine that you put next to your, your milling machines and your CNC machines, what have you, and say, okay, we're gonna 3D print. That's not a success. That'll, that'll set yourself up for failure because your customers will not be, will not be interested in products that look the same that they do the same as they traditionally have them, but they just cost five or 10 times more. So that's one. If you're not able to explain the entire value chain and demonstrate the savings in there to your customer, you, you will fail. Um, laws and regulations are a problem. Our current laws and regulations do not, many of them do not recognize 
this technology as an acceptable way of manufacturing. If you look at the ASDM standards, for example, they might say forging and casting is acceptable. 3D printing is none of these. So if you have industries that are highly regulated, um, you might run into roadblocks where the regulators say, I don't know what this is. This is not part of the standard. You can't use this. So we're at this moment in a phase where slowly but surely standards are being updated and certifying authorities start realizing there is a new technology. Actually, as we said, it's not that new, but they haven't seen that before in, in real production, only in prototypes in the past. So laws and regulations is, a, is an item. Um, copyrights. Copyrights and patents. We have a blurred situation here. So currently you might be an OEM, you have the design and maybe you make the, the items yourself, but it's clear that you own uh, the, uh, the, the copyrights on the products and you might have some patents as well. But what happens if somebody scans your product or you know, redesigns it and puts a design on the internet and somebody else pulls it off and prints it, maybe it's a consumer, he uses it himself, or maybe it's a company, pulls off a design uh, and, uh, and prints it. Our current laws and regulations are not suitable to give you um, decent protection against these situations. So that's a challenge. Um, it's also product uh, liability. So if your design is on the internet, maybe put on the internet by yourself, open source, or maybe by somebody else. And, some, and there's another group, another person maybe, who prints your part. And then a consumer uses it and something happens. And who's responsible? Who's liable for that? Our current regulations don't cover that situation. So it's quite, uh, it's quite a blur there um, with our, our rules and regulations that don't understand this situation. So that's one. Two, now if you have decided to adopt this technology, so you've decided you, you did the math and you wanna buy this machine they're getting cheaper all the time, but it's still a considerable investment. Um, it's not just, as I said, another machine. You need different people. You need people who understand parameters, uh, material solidification, your work preparation people from, uh, um, uh, from the, the level that they have today, you probably will have to have people with a master's level there. Uh, your salespeople will be, uh, have to be able to, to make the technical proposition. Um, you will have a very different way of operating those machines. You can't just change them from one, uh, one material type to another. So you need to group together materials for that machine. So get orders together to produce that. If you only produce one part, uh, and then you have to reset it to another uh, other type of uh, filament or other type of metal powder. That's quite expensive. So you need to kind of group products together uh, that have the same um, base material use and then produce them in, uh, in one go. So the, I've seen this from in, in my own research where companies have been very successful where they un, uh, could explain and understood the value chain. I've also seen people that invested more than a million pounds on a machine and it was hardly used because their customers were just not interested. And if you're just a machining company, if you don't own the design, it's quite hard to go to your customer and say, you know what, that design that you've been using for the last 30 years, we should change that. Why? Well, then you can do 3D printing much better. But they said, well, and, and how much will it save me? Well, actually, 
on the like for like, not much. And then most customers and even most procurement managers say, well, you know, come back next time. I'm not so interested. So the investment itself is, is one part, but having the right organization, the right mindset and the capabilities in your organization to explain the, uh, the, the proposition, the value chain proposition to your customer, um, that is a big challenge. So you have to not only invest in machinery, you have to invest in knowledge and in skills. And you might see some different caliber people coming into your company. That's absolutely fascinating, especially when we put it in the perspective of business cases that may need to be raised within organizations uh, to put to the board for, for investment in, in new technologies. Um, so I'd like to say thank you for all of the insight that you've given us today, Dr. Rob Martins. Um, and thank you for taking time to record this podcast. I do hope it's been of great interest to our members. There are a few in the series, so if our members would like to take time to listen to some of the other podcasts, it will give you uh, the insights into 3D printing and how it's set to change and shape our procurement and supply chain operations. Thank you very much for your time today. My pleasure.